Hey everyone, welcome to On Point. This episode, we kind of get back into the roots and the weeds of what On Point was all about when we started it. Very technical podcast about aero building, and uh, we have Kyle Davidson on to basically discuss his math and science behind building an aero. He's an engineer during the day, aero builder at night, and so he applies that uh, engineering towards building arrows and uh, has equations and stuff. Really cool things of what he's doing here. And uh, really appreciate his insight, and I enjoy talking and learning from Kyle during this episode. Uh, one real quick thing: if you want to support the podcast, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com/forward/slash/onpointpodcast. Uh, you can donate whatever you feel like it. You can do it monthly. You can do it one time, whatever, and 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 feel free to support us there. And then also, some free ways you can do it. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can visit www.onpointpodcast.com. You can sign up for the newsletter, buy some swag, get links to the other content that I have coming out on the YouTube channel and stuff like that. So definitely tons of ways to support the podcast if you feel inclined. And we would love for you to do that. But uh, outside of that, I will quit blabbering on. I want to get you guys into this episode with Kyle from DCA Custom Arrows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited, okay. man. Let's get this thing going. Sure. So, yeah. uh, so I've been talking about this episode for a while, and uh, been kind of talking it up, talking it up, because uh, and and as a disservice to you when you for, when we first talked, you were reaching out to me wanting to do raps and stuff, and I was like, sure, yeah, let's let's make a cool rap. And <laughs> um, long story short, I thought that's all you did. <laughs> yeah, so, no problem. Yeah, yeah. It's funny so, because I was talking to. Good. Oh, I was saying I was talking to somebody, and they're like, um, "Dude, he does way more than that. Like, that's not what that's like part <laughs> of what he does." But he's like, "You should probably revisit that conversation with him." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, so, it was it was Michael Batiste. So he he reached out to me and he said, "Hey, you should," because uh, he had talked to me a couple times about um, what I do. He actually wrote into my website and kind of filled out the information, and then. Um, I was actually traveling for work. I was down in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and I was just getting ready to leave to drive back up to Indiana. And it's a seven hour drive. And Michael was like, uh, do you have, do you have a second to talk? And I was like, man, I have seven hours to talk. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> so, uh, we started diving into it and then, um, you know, kind of got through that conversation. That's a whole another story. But, uh, uh, then I was talking to him and he was like, Hey, you should talk to, uh, talk to Garrett. And I was like, Oh yeah, I know Garrett. I, I built some wraps for him. And he said, yeah, he, he, started, he built the wraps. And it's, it's funny because that is kind of a, a misconception. Um, on you know, my Instagram account, it's, it's all just pictures of the wraps and the, the veins. Um, okay. I put a little technical data in that, but um, I do do a lot more than that. But as with anything, you know, the, the, the image of it uh, sells, not the math behind it, because you can't see any of that until you start shooting them. So. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's weird, but I I do wraps and then I also do the the custom tuned arrows too. Well, you're by trade, you're an engineer, um, and so what I've been telling people is that okay, we have an engineer here, and then now he's applying that to building arrows, and so if you can go in go into depth here of of the whole part of you that I missed the first time we talked. <laughs> sure. So, uh, kind of how I started out in archery, um, my my buddy, uh, TJ, that actually owns uh, Rack Hub, anybody's heard of that, um, but he got me into it, and he is a strict hunter, and so, you know, he has a bow, he has arrows, he practices like crazy, but 
other than that, I mean, he doesn't know any of the, the specifics of um, how a bow works or, you know, how an arrow reacts or anything like that. So he ended up uh, selling me his bow um, and it was kind of a, a low powered, you know, 310 IBO um, uh, bow. And I ended up shooting a few arrows that I bought at the archery shop. And it was just here, here's some arrows that are 30 to 60 pounds, uh, go out and shoot these. And they just, you know, what's your draw length? Uh, 29 and a half. Okay. Here we'll cut them at uh, 29 and a half and here you go and have a good day. And so I went out and was shooting and, uh, you know, it was, I wasn't shooting great at first, but then I was holding steady and I was holding really steady, especially at shorter yards. And I wasn't hitting where I was supposed to. And I kind of played it off to just archery in general. It's not as accurate as shooting a rifle or a pistol or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then I started, you know, doing some research and finding out that they are very accurate and something was going on with mine. And then I started finding out about, you know, there's different spines there's different weights of arrows. There's, you know, the tuning with your bow. Um, there's a lot of factors to go into it. And so I, I started, you know, listening to podcasts and doing research and I was unfortunately on archery talk all the time and just taking in all the information that I could. But I think, uh, because of my background, uh, I am a mechanical engineer, but my whole life has basically been in research and development. So like with my current job, um, the way it generally works, somebody gets an idea about something and it's either that's what I get is just an idea or I get maybe a napkin sketch, some parameters for it. And then they just say, go make it. And so I'm responsible for the, the design of it. Um, and then the, um, you know, getting the prototypes made, getting SLAs made and then building the whole thing up, doing the testing, figuring out why, if it doesn't work, why it doesn't work you know, very diligent on what variables I can uh, manipulate to get my desired results. And so I started doing that with the arrows. I was listening to all the information I was getting. And it, I mean, there's tons out there. You know, you have to have 90% FOC or the arrow is going to fly backwards. You know, it has to weigh 650 grains or it won't make it, you know, to the target. Nothing will happen. Uh, you know, all these crazy things out there. And what I ended up doing was just funneling that and, you know, if you hear something once, you know, that's kind of one person's opinion. But if you hear the same thing over and over and over, then that kind of made it to my list. So it's like mm-hmm. things to try. And then I just kept funneling that down as to what I was reading, what I was researching, what I was hearing, and then just started trying those things. So I eventually got a faster bow and I would try out, you know, different things with it. So I would try a low powered bow. Um, or a low IBO bow and then a, a faster bow and try different things with both of them and see which one got results. And I started getting really good results. And, you know, my archery was kind of improving at the same time. So, um, like I was saying, the guy that got me into it eventually was like, Hey man, why don't you build me some arrows? And so I went through all the, the formulas that I'd slowly developed and started uh building him arrows and then a couple other people wanted arrows and then um i started working on spreadsheets and things like that and my formulas and getting those dialed in and it was all just my own personal uh need to know and you know have to know really is what it is i was trying to, to candy coat that but you know i think we're the same type of personality where it's like you know if something happens 
I have to know why, and I have to know why it didn't work, or I have to know why it did work. Right. I've seen your I've seen your post, and I've heard your podcast, and I know that that it would eat you alive too. So I started diving into it, and then uh, he was like, you know, hey, you should you should do this as a, a side project, and I was like, oh, I don't know about that, and then it just one thing led to another. We kind of came up with a an idea and a logo and all that stuff, and then it was more just uh, something to do during our lunch break. And then uh, it became a lot more than that. So like this year, when I started it in January, I, I was like, well, if I could do five sets, it might help feed my archery addiction a little bit and allow me to test more things. And so I was, like I said, hoping for five. And I think I'm, I'm at 60 now or just over 60 sets this year. Wow. So uh, yeah, it, it took off a lot. Um, but so yeah, on you're, top of that, you're it kicking was ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, I'm curious to, to hear. Like, when I'm going to take you back for a second, because when you said yeah. you were you're researching and stuff, what were some things that you were kept coming across? What were some of these things that you kept seeing upon your research when you were digging into it? Yeah. So the the main thing that I would do is go out and um, I could adjust the poundage of my bow a little bit, um, plus or minus. But the main thing that I was doing was trying different point weights. And so, um, a lot of, a lot of my friends are, I guess they're customers, but a lot of the guys that I, I do work for, I end up friends with. Um, what I tell them too is like, Hey man, if you're, you know, some guys are like, I just want arrows that shoot really well. And I give them those. Um, some guys are like, you know, they're super technical and they really want to know, uh, above and beyond kind of what I'm, what I'm giving them. And I'm like, Hey, if you really want to get, get nerdy with this thing, this is how you do it. And so what I tell them is, you know, you normally, if you shoot a hundred grain field point, try 125 grain field point and then try a 75 grain field point and then shoot those at short range, shoot them at long range, and then really study them at a, a range where you can shoot the longest range that you could shoot really good groups at. So if you could shoot really good groups at 60, uh, then shoot, you know, three of each of them in kind of a random order and, see what happens. And so that's what I was doing when I started out too. And I would go through, um, and I use a program to get the dynamic spine. And then I use all my other programs for the rest of them. Um, just because the, the dynamic spine formula, to my knowledge, the best I could figure out is kind of based around some rules of thumb that have been developed a long time ago. So I use a program to do that. And I would just mess around with different dynamic spines. And then I would get it to a point like I'd find out, oh, if I shoot these 75 grain points, I get much tighter groupings. And what that was doing was actually stiffening the spine. Mm -hmm. um, kind of just for the, the new guys that are listening, what the spine of the arrow is, they take uh, like two pins 28 inches apart, and then they put the arrow on that, and then they put a two-pound weight in the middle of that. And how much that arrow deflects is what the spine is. So if you have a 500 spine arrow, it would actually deflect uh, a half inch. Right. So the 500 on the side of it is actually the higher the number, the weaker the arrow and uh, kind of had a, an, an issue at a range at the range, my home range uh, one time where a guy was shooting a big dude who's taller than I am. I'm six, two and uh, bigger than I am. And I told you before, I'm a tall, skinny dude, but he was pulling, pulling back with some effort and shooting. And like I said, taller than me. So he had a longer draw than me. And he wasn't getting very good groupings at, at 20 yards. I mean, they were two feet in diameter. Hmm. And kind of as you're there, you're shooting, 
you notice what people are doing and he's his form looked fine. I mean, he should be shooting better than he was. So we're walking out there together and he was like, man, I, I don't know what's going on with these. And, uh, I said, well, what spine are you shooting? You know? And he pulled it out and he said, I don't know. It's a 500 grain arrow though. And it was a 500 spine arrow. Oh, and he was shit. pulling 75 pounds with a 30 and a half inch drawing. And I was like, don't shoot those ever again. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, here, shoot my three forties and see, yeah, see what happens. And it, it did. His groups went down a lot smaller. And I, this was before I started my company. And I said, just go buy some 300 spine arrows, get them cut as short as you can. And you'll be a lot better than what you are. Right now. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I got into it. And then, like I was saying that the testing that I was doing was, was with my slower bow, like a 310. And then with a, a the bow, I won't mention the company, but it was rated for 350. And it was probably shooting about three. <laughs> uh, we know what I'm talking about. It was probably shooting three. 38 or 337 on a good day. Mm. Uh, but I was using that to test to see if the, uh, the IBO of the bow would affect where the, the dynamic spine needs to go. Mm. So, so that's a, that brings me to one area that I want to hit is, so you were talking about manufacturers testing the static spine earlier. Um, you were, you yes. were talking about that and, and it's it's pretty much right at two pounds. If you look at it, it's eight hundred and eighty grams, or like one point nine four. If for the guys that yep. are like Nazis, but like two pounds <laughs> is pretty much it. So um, I say that because someone's going to correct us if we don't. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. No worries. And so um, and so when you're when you're bending that, like you said, they're twenty eight inches apart, and and then you have that weight there, and then. Um, what they don't do from my understanding and, and correct me if I'm wrong here is they don't do like quarter turn twists. They just measure one spot on that arrow. So basically they're not like kind of like almost like a knock tuning it, but they're not, they're not twisting that arrow measuring certain, um, they're not finding like the backbone basically. Uh, correct. It's just one. We're going to hang it from this spot on the arrow, wherever that arrow is. Um, as long as it's 28 inches apart, we're going to, do it with the knock facing up. We're not going to twist it a quarter turn and then redo it. So, um, that's, that's my understanding of it. Yeah. I, I think that's the way it probably goes too. And then they just have a tolerance on that, you know, yep. the 300 spine, it needs to be between this number and this number when you do it. Um, right. I've actually just been testing a bunch of, uh, black Eagle rampages and Easton axis, mm-hmm. uh, match grade Easton axis and, uh, 003, uh, black Eagle rampages. Um, and I've been doing that where I'll put them on there and I'll turn them, you know, very slowly and see where, uh, or see how much the spine deflects. And on both of those arrows, I've seen very, very little, uh, variation, which is really good. I'm sure there is, uh, a manufacturer that I saw that had quite a bit of variation, but, uh, it wasn't overly crazy, but those two were really good, mm. uh, which was I was the, glad because uh... I build a lot of those. Yeah, what was huh? the manufacturer that had more? Uh, <laughs> are you? <laughs> you're not feeling. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. No, no, no. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not. A, I I actually am. A, I just became a Black Eagle dealer. So um, okay, it's it's not hard to do because all you have to do is kind of sign up for it. Um, but the reason I did it is because I sell tons of them, and it was it was an easy thing to do. Um, they're a great arrow. But I, I sell, if I don't sell more Axis than I do Rampages, I would be surprised. Uh, nice. Just because it's whatever anybody fits. Um, 
it's I don't try to push Black Eagle over the other one at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the one that I did see a little more variation in would be it's just with the gold tip uh, hunters and velocities were a little bit more as I rolled it around. Like for instance, on the Black Eagles, I saw anywhere from actually I just posted this on Instagram. It was three oh six was the highest, and three oh three was the lowest. Mm. And then uh, on the axis, it was about the same. It might have been just like three oh five to three hundred or 303 something. It was really small too, but the, the gold tip, um, the velocities that I measured just a few of them, uh, I saw maybe a variation of, uh, eight to 10 thousands kind of in there is about right. So it's not off by a lot, but, uh, and I actually shoot, uh, gold tip velocities like crazy. That's what I kind of started out shooting. And so when I was doing that initial testing, you know, I, I bought just a bunch of them. They're a super, they're a great arrow. Uh, they're super durable. Um, I, I beat the heck out of a bunch of them. I've Robin hood a bunch of them, but, uh, I just, I have a lot of them and they're a good kind of test subject for what I'm doing. Like I said, just kind of playing with the dynamic spine and seeing, uh, where that number fits for a given, uh, bow speed or poundage in that area. I want you to, um, so we covered static spine. Uh, I want you mm-hmm. to, um, or if you want me to cover it, that's fine. But it, I want you to cover dynamic spine and, and, and kind of just explain that for the folks that are listening. Yeah. So the dynamic spine is actually what's happening when you, you know, slowly, like you're supposed to slowly squeeze the trigger or roll that hand back and activate your, your, uh, retention release. But the, um, what the dynamic spine is happening is as it's released, if you imagine everything just going extremely slow, so very slow motion, when you release your, your release and the string starts to go forward, it pushes on the back of the arrow. And what happens to that arrow uh, is all based around a bunch of different properties. So we talked about the static spine. If the static spine is weak, that arrow will deflect more than it should, or it, that'll just be how much deflection it has in it. Uh, another thing that adds to that is the point weight. So if you have more weight on the front of it, then that will act in effect weaken your spine. Uh, something that I, I tell people is like if you take a, a pool noodle uh, that the kids use and you try to push a bowling ball with it, the pool noodle will deflect a lot. But if you try to push a baseball with it, it's, it's rigid enough to be able to push the, the baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with uh, an arrow, that dynamic spine as it starts to push, the heavier the point weight, the in effect, the weaker the spine is. Mm. So the other thing you could do is add weight to the back of the arrow. And technically, it's just the center of gravity of the arrow. So if you add weight to the front of the center of gravity or in front of the center of gravity, it'll weaken the arrow. And if you add weight to the back of the center of gravity, it'll actually stiffen it and not, not by a lot, but a little bit. And what all that that's doing is, um, if you kind of think of, you know, you, if you pull back with, uh, 60 pounds and however, whatever weight you put in the back of it, it kind of takes off from that 60 pounds. So it, it, it stiffens it, but not as much as it would weaken it if it was in front of the center of gravity, if that makes sense. It does. And, and there's also but, a few other factors. And so basically just to make it really simple, it's how the arrow reacts mm-hmm. once it's actually having the en- energy transferred from the bow to the arrow. It's what it's doing. Yes, exactly. 
Uh, yeah, and, this is the. Go ahead. This is the the effect of that string pushing on it. So yeah, it is. It's the static is when it's you know not being acted on, and then the dynamic is actually when it's been uh, being pushed by the string. Yeah, and there's. I don't know if, how we can not get into the weeds on this part too. I didn't. I didn't plan on covering this, but uh, so <laughs> I, I do want to cover types of different cams here, and this is going to be very. You probably know where I'm going with. This. There's there's more aggressive cams. There's less aggressive yeah. cams. You could have two 70 pound bows. One could spit out a 340. This is from my experience. One could spit out a 340 with a certain setup. That more aggressive cam could make that actual arrow a little bit weaker because it's just a little bit more aggressive and it's transferring that energy. I'm guessing quite faster or harder. Um, yeah, exactly. You, yeah. Would you, um, I mean, how do you take that in consideration in, in, in your equations and stuff or, or walk me through that whole thing there too? Sure. So what, what I do is, um, like when somebody comes to me and asks me, you know, about arrows, uh, the, the three things I really need, like the critical ones are, uh, the bow IBO, the draw length and the draw weight. And the IBO speed is important because like you said, it's, it's basically how aggressive the cams are. So if you have a really fast bow, like a 350 plus bow, um, when you start to draw back on that, if you look at like a force versus uh, draw curve, that angle is going to be really steep. So as soon as you start to draw that thing back, it gets really hard to pull. You'll get to that peak weight sooner. That's why it's, you know, when you, sh when you shoot a, a speed bow, you start to pull that thing that you could feel it. The other thing is when you try to let it down and it really like, you know, pulls your shoulder out, mm -hmm. that's because of the aggressiveness of that cam. Uh, the way to, to look at it is, um, I mean, like as far as like energy is in the force versus, uh, draw curve. So it's inches versus pounds and the area underneath that curve is how much work is being put into the arrow. Um, and that's why I have, I still have my first bow, which is a 310. And then I have my, my current bow, uh, which is a Bowtech Realm SS. Um, it's a, a little bit faster, but it's, it's good because I could shoot both bows. And like I said, be able to kind of look at that, uh, dynamic spine and balance it out. Uh, but the, the cams themselves, like you said, are, it's really just that area under the curve in a, a force versus, uh, draw length kind of curve yeah that ss is a sweet bow <laughs> I oh really, yeah i really I love like it, that bow yeah yeah uh, so you covered a little bit about straightness and i i'm just going to tell you off my experience and you know if it doesn't hit resonate with you let me know um i, sure. I trust you i trust your results more than mine because you have the math to support it i just have my ability of of knowing what knowing what I can see based off of my shooting abilities and my tuning abilities. So yeah. you've got the math. So whatever you say, I, I would say supersedes <laughs> what I say. Here, but, <laughs> um, so from, from my experience, when I'm building an arrow and I'm seeing 0 0.006, 0 0.003, 0 0.001, I, I personally am actually more worried about the spine consistency than I am the actual straightness. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that because if you don't, if you have a really straight arrow, but your spines like are all over the chart, then good luck. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot yeah. of guys that could outshoot a 0 0.006 to a 0 0.003. I can tell the difference between a 0 0.006 and a 0 0.001 on a good day. But yeah. um, I mean, it, it's pretty damn hard to, to 
outshoot the spine. I mean, you, if I agree. Yeah. Um, do you have anything that, that you found that you could elaborate or expand on that? Yeah, for sure. So you were saying that, you know, having uh, a consistent spine or something like that. And from what I've seen, all the arrows today, uh, at least the ones that I use a lot, like I said, the, the ones that I've, I've tested um, are the Axis and the Rampage and a few of the gold tip. Um, I've seen really, 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 really consistent spines on those. And it would be hard because of, of the process that things are made. It would be pretty hard to see a lot of variation in those, I think. Um, and I've never been a proponent of 0.001 or 0.003 just mm -hmm. uh, because if you think about it, um, a human hair is about 0.004 roughly. And so if, if your straightness of your arrow over 28 inches where they measure it, is off by a human hair, then you're a much better archer than probably <laughs> most of the, of the universe. I would say the biggest right. thing. And another thing to look at too, is like, I mean, I, I do a, I'm very, very proud of my, my fletching job. My, the veins are on there. They're always super consistent. Um, there's very, very little glue ever showing on them. Um, they're all as in a line as you can imagine, but they are never on there better than a human hair. So any variation that you'd see in the shaft, even though it's longer and it's, even if it's rotating, I think that there's more variation with the veins that are put on it than would be in that shaft. And it's just, it's not enough, you know, a human hair. If you think about that, it, it's, it's just inconsequential in my opinion. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that say that I could, oh, I shoot a oh three better than an oh six, but mm. man, I, I could tell a difference by the label. That's about it. <laughs> well, and the cost. And, and to, I've never thought about what you're, what you're saying there about, you know, you buy all these super straight arrows or super tight tolerances, but then you go home and you fletch them on a jig and then you're introducing all these inconsistencies. And to take that even a step farther, you're using probably not the same exact amount of glue on each insert as well. So you're getting, I mean, you're, you're getting as many same. inconsistencies as you want. You probably don't have the same amount of glue on your veins you're not yeah. using the same amount of epoxy on your on your spine or on your inserts or whatever it may be. You're you're introducing a lot, a lot of inconsistencies because I know on mine. Oh yeah. I mean I, I I'm like, yeah, good enough. You know, like on, on my veins because yeah. I've never really noticed. You know, if they're good, um, and, and and they look good and they look straight, just eyeballing it. You know, and I use a jig and everything. I don't. I don't. It has to be fairly off for me to go back and scrape that vein off and start over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at a, uh, some veins here, and I mean, there's little inconsistencies because the the way they just punch these things out, there's little inconsistencies in there, and they don't they don't weigh any different. But I would say, like you were saying, you know, it's if you look at the variables that are actually affecting the flight of the arrow, um, this I would say the straightness is not one of the major factors. I know there's a lot of people that are have been shooting and shooting at a much higher level than I have, but, uh, I have to look at things, you know, from an engineering mind and, and looking at them saying, is this a, a, an issue or not? And I would say it's not, I honestly, the, the biggest thing that has affected flight for me and a lot of people that I know is how well the, the arrow is tuned for the shooter. So you have to look at, uh, 
the, the, the IBO, you have to look at draw length, you have to look at the draw weight, and you have to look at what they're going to be using that arrow for as well. Mm. Um, it's just the, the tune of the bow. I mean, I could go out and shoot, like I was saying, you shoot groups with a hundred grain point and then, you know, shoot three arrows at 60 yards and then you shoot three arrows with 125 grain point and you'll see a difference on the spread of those arrows and I'll shoot them. So I'll shoot like the 75 grains first. I'll shoot the hundred grains and then I'll shoot the 125 and then I'll just mix them up in my quiver and I'll just pull one out and shoot it. And I, I don't pay attention to the, the, what the point is. I just shoot it and I can always see a difference between between the groups and that's all based on the spine. So like when I know we're going to get in something big here, but, uh, what, when I look at an arrow and I build an arrow for somebody, um, the three things that I, I really, really look at number one is the spine and I don't waver on that. It has to be spined correctly. Um, this, and I kind of know some, some ranges that I want to keep people in again, based on their IBO or the draw length or the draw weight. Um, if you have a really long, for instance, if you have a really long draw, then you do need a little bit of a stiffer arrow, even though most of the equations take that into account. It just seems like a, a longer draw length has, it's more sensitive to uh, a stiffer or a weaker spine. So getting that spine right is number one. Uh, and here we go. We're going to get into it now. Uh, mm -hmm. The second one that I look at is, <laughs> is speed. And I try to keep that uh, at least at 270. Um, and the at reason for that is minimum. at least minimum. Yeah. I keep them at 270 and then I, I try to talk people out of the 300s, mm -hmm. but what I'm building, you know, there's people that shoot 220 and this is for compound too. people that shoot, you know, 220 with a compound bow and they shoot great. Uh, and, and that's great. But I think that the biggest thing is, uh, and I'm not a, a huge hunter, but it's, shot placement is number one. You know, you can talk to anybody and say, well, you know, if I can't hit it, I can't, it doesn't matter the momentum or FOC or any of that stuff. If you can't hit the spot, then it, it won't help. So 270 from my testing gives you a good variation where you get a relatively flat shooting arrow at, you know, 20 to 30 yards. Mm -hmm. It's, if something's walking away or you don't know the distance, you need a, a relatively flat trajectory. So I don't put a bunch of weight on there to get them under the 270 i try to get a, a light enough spine to get up to at least that um, so that's mm. the speed and we can come back to that and then uh so it's spine speed and then uh the foc is what i look at kind of third and honestly it's it's just to make sure that it's above 10 percent and maybe under 18 mm. uh and <laughs> here we go. But, <laughs> I was just say you're uh, gonna raise some eyebrows oh, with yeah. that one there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I go I go up to eighteen and I built some that were almost nineteen and all that stuff. And it's not that I'm like, okay, I will not build an arrow that's over twenty. And if you if you build an arrow that's over eighteen, you're trying for it, man. I mean it's like you're mm -hmm. you're doing everything you can. And honestly, if if you because the, most spines only go up to two like a black Eagle rampage goes up to 250 and Eastern axis goes up to 260. And if you want to, uh, a rampage will also go to 150. And I, I don't even know if that's real. I think they just put it in the book to mess with people, but um, there's a, a black Eagle Spartan, which is a 200 spine. Um, and I built one of those for a guy uh, who had just a, a monster draw, uh, draw length and draw weight. And that arrow was 670 grains. 
uh, and I'm kind of going off memory here, 670 grains, and it had 15% FOC, but uh, it had 220 grains, I think, up front, but the spine was correct, and so it, it just fit it. You know, it was fine, but it was a 200 spine arrow, and so when you try to get above, uh, you know, 18 percent or you know you're trying to get into the 20s or something like that i think that you're going to get a weak spine and you can there are cases where you can tune an arrow for that but i don't you know it's not me working on like my own personal arrow and trying to to get above that 18 percent and shoot it because you could kind of tune a bow to get it to shoot just about anything but what i what i build are for other people and so i try to get them in this range where they have a a, a really predictable arrow that that has good flight to it and I think that if you really want to pursue FOC or you really want to pursue speed or weight, um, you can get there. But like I said, I'm looking at the majority of people and trying to not go out, you know, on, on the fringes of anything. So how did so, you arrive at the, uh, the 18%? Yeah, that's just where, uh, that's one where I honestly, I couldn't build an arrow. Like I said, with a spine, that I thought would get over 18%. Mm. Uh, and that's really how I came up with that limit. It's like, uh, you know, I could, I could get into the 150 spine, but it's, you know, like, I don't know, 15 or 16 grains per inch. Yeah. And then your, your arrow speed is too low. So it's, I look at it as literally a, a three legged stool where one leg is a little more important being the spine, but, you know, okay, you want a giant FOC, your speed's too low now. You know, if we add 500 grains to the front of it, we can run a 150 uh, spine arrow, but now your speed is at 160, you know, and it's like, right, right. if you really want to do that, you could do it, but you're kind of violating some rules that I have in place, again, for a predictable arrow. That makes sense. The, there are lighter GPIs out there. Um, I was shooting yep. Brent Valkyrie or uh, Valkyrie's system. I think I was at four... 60 something, um, like a 20% FOC. And that thing was flying amazing, but he's got that whole system worked out and he's using, um, you know, when somebody tells me they have like a 20% or 22% FOC, that tells me more about the arrow than what's up front because you got to have a light GPI yeah. arrow to even get in that ballpark. Like I shot a cheetah one time and those, ha I don't even know what those were. <laughs> I want to see six. <laughs> those GPI. are ridiculous. Yeah. They're like speed freak arrows. And, uh, I mean, just putting a regular insert and in, in head on there, I think I was around like 12 to 14% FOC because the arrow is so light. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and then you're getting into a th usually a thinner walled, more little, probably a little bit brittle arrow. Um, and so you have to use a better component. There's, there's a lot to it. I know I'm talking to, uh, preaching to the choir here. Have you, oh, have no. You, no, no, yeah, have you played around with the really light GPI arrows and have you found any, um, that to be a kind of a way to, con to get people to that 18 to 20 plus percent? Uh, no, I haven't. And it's, it's just because if you go, uh, generally what I put people in is like I said, the, the access to the rampage and it's a 204, uh, inner diameter shaft and it's really good because it's not the you get all the benefits of a, a larger you know the standard size the 246 id mm -hmm. uh arrow and but you're not paying for the 166 165 micro diameter arrows mm -hmm. it's right down the middle plus there's a ton of really good components for it you know the access sit system mm -hmm. uh is good yeah. uh 
you can get the aluminum, which is 16 grains. You can get uh, the brass, which is, you know, 75, or you break it to be 50. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Bill from Iron Will just came out with his hit system. And so that goes 25 up to, uh, I think, 100 on that. Mm-hmm. And so you can get all those components. They're all really good. The, the Rampage um, has a lot of, you know, that, that stainless steel insert ouncer is good. So I haven't uh, really gotten into the, like the Cheetahs or the, uh, I guess the, the Victory uh, XCs, XVs are what I would probably look at if somebody wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, it, it's trying to find something that is a spine that can handle it has to be a 200 spine in most cases for me because I'm a lot of the guys that have a longer draw or a lot of poundage, uh, longer draw being anything kind of over 28 ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, 70 pounds, I kind of have to get them into, uh, usually it's a 250 or at the edge of 300 or something like that. So it's, you can get there. Like you said, uh, you know, the Valkyrie system is amazing. I've seen, uh, seen that I heard your podcast on it and he's a very, uh, very intelligent guy. I liked his thought process quite a bit. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he, but it he, was, he's uh, a smart guy. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, but, but it, it's again, you know, building a predictable arrow. So, yeah, well, and, and, you know, I, I really like the arrow flight and everything, but man, I'm with my access system and everything after that episode, everybody's I had quite a few guys. I'm like, so you're going to shoot Valkyrie now? It's like, I like my arrow setup, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I like where yeah. I'm at, you know, and, yeah. and you know Brent's system is amazing, but y- you pay for it. I mean, you yes, you do. You are paying for it, and I don't. I don't have four hundred dollars just laying around just to switch systems real quick. You know, like I, you know, tags not, you know, gear is is or buy you know buy tags buy hunts not gear, and and it sure as heck wouldn't make make the budget boat build I did this year by any means. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, just... I was working with a guy. Yeah. I was working with a guy and he wanted to get into the Valkyrie system. And so mm-hmm. I did a bunch of research. I talked to him a bunch and, uh, it, it came down to the cost. And I can understand if you're, if you're going out West or something like that, you know, that would be a great system to have. If you're, if you need something that, you know, it would justify that cost, then you can get there. But, uh, and it, like I said, the engineering behind it is, amazing i love like the o-ring in the back to dampen the 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 flex of the arrow so that you're not getting the insert to kind of break at that that weak Mm -hmm. point at the back but uh yeah i mean it's it's pricey oh for sure for sure i do want to go over um there's so many things that we could go over here yeah (laughs) so from from your favorite uh setup where would you so if you were setting me up I have a, um, just based off of your, your formulas and your charts and stuff, 28 inch draw, um, uh-huh. IBO, let's just call the IBO 340. And then, okay. um, what was your other thing that you, that you needed? Uh, your draw length and your draw weight. Oh, uh, 70 your pounds. Draw, 70 pounds and 28 inch. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So for that, I would, uh, you're kind of right at a 300. Uh, you're lucky I'm, I'm sitting in front of my computer and a lot of guys that call me, I do the same thing where it's just like, well, let's just see what we get. You know, it's like, I have other things to do. I need to do this, but yeah. now, now you have my curiosity. Well, I've been shooting so three forties for God, 10 years and, and I know how much weight I can add at what 
length. <laughs> and then yeah. I built I built them to where I'm over spine, so I know how heavy I can get up front before I'm over. So I'm just I'm curious to see what what your system says because um, I, I've thought about going to a 300, but then I don't you know the GPI on the axis are just too heavy for me. If they made like a eight grain GPI axis, you know, which I'm sure they do with one of their other models, but um, I'd probably go down to a 300 and then um, get a little bit more FOC. But so if you came to me and, and said you know 340 draw length 28 and a draw weight of 70 uh what's your what bow is it um i should know that well i i'm just going off of past specs we could just say that was the rx1 uh turbo you know it's probably faster okay. than that but um it's probably like three yeah it's probably to be 345 somewhere in there because the other thing that affects that is your brace height and it's pretty critical because uh mm -hmm. and that's what everybody's seeing now is the brace heights are getting smaller and the reason they do that is because it adds, like with your 28-inch draw length, um, if your brace height is 6 or if your brace height is 7, that adds mm -hmm. an extra inch of push with that string. Yeah. And so you'll get extra speed with it. So yeah. kind of knowing uh, what what bow it is and then uh, having that, that brace height with it uh, helps. Let me see here. For sure, for sure. I think Put it was me. close to like 6. 6 inches was close to the brace height yeah. on that um, right now I'm shooting the BTX, uh, 31 and I, I forget. It's a pretty, it's a pretty quick bow for, for what it is. Yeah. So I would put you, honestly, I probably would look at putting you in a, uh, an axis. I know you said you wouldn't, but, uh, see. just because of the GPI, I do like the axis three forties. Yeah. Just cause of the GPI. So I would put you. I'd probably put you in an axis because it would put you, I could get your spine correct. Mm -hmm. uh, so I put you, yeah, in an axis, your speed would be roughly 273 in that range. Your total arrow weight would be 471 and your FOC would be 13%. So with so that, that's, that's, so with that, it would be a 300 spine. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, th and then if you did want more speed, uh, another thing that we could do, because like I said, that a lot of what I do is an Eastern axis or a rampage and the axis has it's 10.7 and a rampage is in the 300 is an 8.7. Mm -hmm. And so I was automatically going to put an extra 50 grains in the front. So I would go with, you know, either the iron wheel or the, um, the regular brass hit insert, mm -hmm. uh, with an axis. The other thing that I've done, uh, is put the black Eagle rampage insert in the, the Easton. I think I talked to you before about that. Hmm. And it's just, I like that system so much because it's just, uh, I don't know. It just, it feels better to have the, the broadhead potentially pushing against stainless steel. Hmm. I know the stainless steel is then pushing against the, uh, shaft but you you at least have the glue holding all that system together between the, the stainless steel black eagle stainless steel uh insert into the, the axis but and that would be a possibility too um you know you could either get the the brass hit insert break it off at 50 mm -hmm. or go with a, a black eagle because they're the same id the 204 interesting interesting have you used yeah. the um the focus system um at all on the black eagles yes 
so I'm actually building one right now. I have the, the components here. Um, I haven't put it completely together yet, but I've looked at it, uh, and I'm pretty impressed by it. I'm a little, I want to see how that screw does that set screw does holding that <laughs> sleeve in spots. Yeah. That's my only kind of question mark. Yeah, I like. Um, I really like the system because it makes broadhead alignment. Like, if you're one of those guys that wants to align your veins with your broadheads, it makes it pretty yes. slick. Yeah, yeah, super slick. I mean, you don't have to have the G5 squaring device anymore, really. If yeah, you're, if you're using that. But have you? Um, I've I've been wanting to buy um those and then try and get those onto the axis. Have you tried getting? Um, is the because I was talking to Corey Miller one time. He said he got it to work one time using the focus on the axis. Yeah, you should be able to use uh, the, like I said, the, the components between the axis and the rampage are almost interchangeable. Uh, right. The OD of the rampage is just a little bit smaller. Right. Um, so you might have to sand off a little bit of the axis, but uh, right. I wouldn't think it'd be very much at all. So I, I totally think you could do that. I yeah. interchange those components, like I said, a lot. I've even put, uh, somebody that's going hunting wanted a, a smaller diameter arrow so they didn't want you know the the standard 246 id like gold tip or uh, mm -hmm. any of the other standard diameters but the axis was too heavy even with the 16 grains in it uh and then the rampage was too heavy if i used the stainless steel outsert insert with it so i used an aluminum uh axis uh hit insert in a rampage to get his to tune out right <laughs> So, I mean, I interchange the components between them quite a bit. It, and again, it's just a fit. It's weird because like, like I said, an axis is a 260 spine and a black Eagle is a 250 spine. And so when, uh, somebody comes to me, it's like, that could be the deciding factor for sure. You know, getting that extra, uh, 10 thousandths of, mm -hmm. of static spine deformation, uh, makes a huge difference. Like I said, getting people in the right spine is, it's amazing how consistent it makes you. And then, uh, the other thing that I do is uh, I kind of have a, a secret way of determining it, it, the spine of the arrow. And I know that we just talked about how consistent these arrows are. And I was the one that was actually saying, yeah, I've just, I've rolled a bunch of them and uh, I've seen nothing, but I have a, a secret way that I kind of find a spine on that. And then once I do that, um, I mark it on the shaft and then I line the wrap to the, to the mark and then, uh, I get really consistent arrow flight, arrow to arrow. So, kind of went off on a tangent there, but no, because you're uh, you're you're leading into an area I was wanting to go was which was your building process, and and you've told me that yeah. part before. And so I I kind of like I used to detail cars a long time ago, and oh yeah, I always heard that you know if the more the the, the more time you spend in the first step of detailing a car, the less amount of time you're going to spend in the last step detailing the car yeah and so it's kind of like the more time you spend on the first you know before you start shooting the arrow building the arrow you're going to spend less time after you screw that broadhead in figuring you know spending time scratching your head wondering what's going on and i've been talking to chris dunlap who's an arrow builder too a uh, buddy of mine mm -hmm. from uh, um, elk river and uh he's like man you know the just going over his system and stuff. And he's like, just, you know, what he's doing with, with arrow selection, arrow building. He's like, the more I refine my process, the less I have to do. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, that's it's hilarious. Just, Cause go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, no, go ahead, man. So, uh, that's the funny part. So 
I'm in, I build arrows every night. I go to my day job and then I come home. Um, I have two little boys that I, anything they want to do, I do. If they ask me to do something, we do it. <laughs> That's kind of my rule. And then I build arrows. And if I, if they want to do something, I do that. And then if I have to stay up till 1230 to, to finish a set of arrows, then that's what I do. It's just, you know, part of it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything. But, uh, my, my wife was asking me, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been building a lot of sets of arrows. Are you getting faster? And I said, actually, I'm getting slower. And the reason <laughs> I'm getting slower is because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah she, which was not what she wanted to hear. But, um, you know, as I build some, I'm like, oh, I could do this or I could do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I just start, you know, oh, I like, for instance, uh, the inserts that I put in the end of them, um, mm-hmm. I was playing around with a bunch of different glues, uh, different epoxies, different insert glues, all that stuff. And all these arrows that I build, I cut off a little pieces of them. And so what I've been doing is trying different glues and I'll set the, you know, put a little drop of glue in the end of the arrow on the ID of it and then let it sit up overnight or however long the manufacturer says. And then I'll come back with it and just give it a little push with a screwdriver to see how easily it shears off the inside of the arrow. And the, the way they make the arrows is they have a, like a polished uh, cylinder and then they wrap carbon around that. And so when you put something on a polished surface, especially something with an epoxy and then you, you know, slide that off, it's going to be super, super smooth on the inside, which is the way arrows are. And when you have, like, if you try to think about painting, uh, you know, anything, the worst thing you can do is try to paint like glass. It's, it doesn't stick. Mm. And so I was testing all these glues and I was seeing which one actually bonded to it because, um, it, it, it was easy to shear that off. Once I kind of got the idea that, like I said, it, you know, like it's taking me longer to build arrows now, but, uh, so I was, trying to mess around with that. And I was like, well, man, that's, uh, if I could sand that like you would a, uh, something you're going to paint, that would make it stick better. And so now, you know, I'm talking about these like 204 diameter arrows and it's like, well, how do you get sandpaper in that? And so what I do, uh, is I have a, uh, a wood screw that I use and I just, I beat up the end of the wood screw. So it has, you know, some little teeth on it. And I just get in there and I don't damage the inside of the arrow, but it basically just sands the inside of the arrow just a little bit. And man, the glue sticks great in there. Really? And then I started thinking, well, if I'm, if I'm doing that on that, then what about the insert? So I'm looking at these inserts and they're, you know, really accurately machined and, you know, really nicely machined, which means they're really polished basically. Mm -hmm. And so I'll rough up those with sandpaper too. And so now instead of just, you know, putting glue and pushing the inserts in, now I'm sanding out the, the idea of the, uh, the shaft and then sanding the, the insert too. And it's like, that's one thing. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that I do now that I didn't do when I started and it's probably overkill, but I mean, I know people are, there's two things. People are spending a a decent amount of money on these arrows and it's something they're passionate about. And the third thing is they're, potentially using these or usually using these to, you know, to harvest an animal. And, uh, I don't want my arrow to be the, the reason that something goes wrong. I want it to be the reason everything goes right. You know, I, the reason they're getting them from me is because they want accuracy. They want precision, uh, and probably for your listeners, precision is what I should have said there. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I do all these extra things just because number one, I, 
it's in my personality. I can't not do it. If there's a better way to do it, I can't cut the corner because it, it'll keep me up at night. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I, I go over the same because I, I can, like I said, I can see your post and I see your thought process on it. But yeah, I, so I go into all these different things and uh, then, you know, let, uh, again, just sanding those and, and doing all that, this extra weird stuff that I, I do to just because I think that it, that will make it better. And so now hmm. it takes, roughly i mean if just start to finish on a set of arrows it probably takes two and a half hours hmm. that's a lot and yeah. it's not because i <laughs> it's not because i don't know what i'm doing it's because i i do so much to it it's like so to cut and square the ends um and then put the inserts in uh do my spine alignment and wrap the arrows all that takes about an hour and honestly if i just wanted to if I did it like a, like a, a bad shop would, I could probably do that part in about 10 minutes, but it's right. just because of the, you know, it's the extra stuff. And I, the only reason I'm not bragging about myself, I'm just, I'm letting your listeners that, that do the same thing know that they, <laughs> they're not the weirdest person in the room. <laughs> well, no. And so I've, uh, so you have a spine gauge is what you're using to get your uh, backbone basically. Uh, no, I, I have a spine gauge, but I actually just use that to check the consistency of the spine of the arrows that I'm okay. getting just to see, uh, kind of quality control and kind of just because I, I want to know. Uh, but no, the, the spine, uh, the way that I find the spine, like I said, is kind of one of my, my secrets that I keep. Uh, mm. I tell people, you know, if, without the, the herbs and spices, it's just fried chicken. So <laughs> I got to have, I got to have some secrets. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So what I do is basically I, I knock tune and, and, and spine index from there and stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, that's just part of my process. And if I am building a batch and I'm going to, which I'm going to be doing here very soon, maybe I'll, well, I've already done a video series on it, but I said, maybe I'll do a video series on my next batch. But, um, if guys are wanting to go check that out, you can just go onto my YouTube channel and check out, um, kind of how I shoot uh, tighter groups with broadheads in three steps. And it's very basic, but there's a lot of things in there that guys are getting out of it. Uh, so I, you know, I basically do kind of what you do. I don't have the spine um, checker there, but I do mm -hmm. the bear shaft and the knock tuning, um, squaring the arrow. I do clean out the inside of the arrow with a Q, with a Q-tip before just to get all that uh, carbon dust out of there. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. and, and, and I just follow my it, process. It a lot. <laughs> what was that? I said, when you, when you stand the inside of them, uh, I basically for one Q-tip, I get about three arrows <laughs> because <laughs> of the here, standing, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, so, you know, everybody's kind of got their, their process here, but I'm, I'm still having to, to, to dick around with one to two arrows out of a dozen. And then, so, but these, these, I'm guessing you don't because these guys that spend the little bit more time, like the Chris Dunlaps, they're getting down to almost every arrow and, and I could get, you know, pretty much a dozen out of a dozen to shoot, but there's usually two problem children. Um, yeah. On average out of that dozen that I have to spend more time with, or eventually I just say, you know what, screw it. This is way more, this is not worth my time. So I'll just yeah, make that like zero or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you find that with your process at all that you have usually a problem child or two in a dozen or are you, you not getting that with your process? So I, uh, one of the guys that I just sold arrows to, uh, EJ Russell went out and I just sold him 12 and he was asking me, do I need to knock tune these? Do I, cause I always turn them. I always tune them. And he 
like literally two hours ago, just sent me uh, a message saying that he shot bullet holes with all 12 of the arrows and didn't touch the knocks on them. Really? Um, so that, yeah, they, they don't need knock tune. Uh, the process that I usually do, I'll spin all the arrows. Um, and, uh, they don't all spin perfectly true. Um, some spin better than others. Uh, but it's pretty much universal through all of the arrows. I, I don't see more of a problem with one over another, like brand wise. Um, they all spin pretty true, but you'll have a couple that don't spin as well. Um, but no, I, uh, I really don't have them knock to them. I just tell them to go shoot them. I do send them a bear shaft. So you're talking about the process that you usually use. And, uh, when somebody orders a set, I always ask them if they want a bear shaft. And, uh, if they, if they hadn't heard of that, uh, I explained to them what it is and, and how it's beneficial. Um, so again, if we haven't lost all the new guys yet, uh, but as you're, as you get them, you shoot them, you set your bow up, you know, you set your, your center shot at 13 sixteenths and then, you know, kind of go through the, the rest of the process, arrow perpendicular to the, to the string and blah, 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 blah. Get your arrow, your bow basically set up. And then, uh, what I tell them to do is go out and shoot at 20 yards and shoot, uh, shoot your bear shaft and then shoot your fletched arrow at the same spot. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, uh, if they're new to it and they hadn't done it before, I tell them, take a picture and send it to me. And they all, my numbers out there, uh, they send me a picture of it and I tell them what to do because basically if you shoot your, your fletched arrow at the target, when it leaves your bow, if it's, let's say point right, as it leaves your bow, that fletching in the back is going to pull that point around to the front and it's going to hit the target. So you're, you're all sighted in, you hit, let's say, you know, dead center with your, your fletched arrow, your bear shaft when it leaves the shaft and it's shooting again, point right out of your arrow or out of your bow, out of your arrow. When you shoot it out of your bow and it's point right, it'll hit the target point right. But generally what happens is the knocks will be in the same line. So it'll be point, the point of impact of the bear shaft will be right. And all you need to do is move your rest just a little bit. I mean like the thickness of a dime to the right and that will make those points of contact the same. And then there's up and down as well, but, uh, you know, they just send me a picture and it's, it's hard to kind of keep in your mind, which way you move it, especially when you're at the range, you know, you're like, right. Was it up or down or left or right? And so when you just, just send me the picture, uh, I tell them what to do with it. And then they get those hitting at the same point at 20 yards. And then once you get that, um, as long as you have enough fame, on the arrow to counteract the, the broadhead, your field point will hit the same spot as your broadhead. And I tested that with, uh, iron wheels, um, uh, Exodus and, uh, slick trick Viper tricks out to a hundred yards. And I can hit an 18 by 20, uh, block target, you know, with all three of those heads. And I run, uh, again, that was just kind of the bear shaft tuning and mm-hmm. that process. But, um, and that's shooting with both blazers, max hunters, uh, shoot the same, uh, with those. So that's really impressive. And, and you're kind of going over a bunch of stuff here. I want to kind of focus on a few (laughs) things. Um, so Uh if I, if I, if I was somebody and, uh, I was getting, you know, too weak of a spine or too stiff of a spine, you're going to tear differently. Um, 
Yes. Would you would you go into that? And then I don't know why that is. Um, you know why um, the right? If I, I'd be curious <laughs> to hear why that each one correlates to that that tear. I I wish I could explain that, but I have no idea. <laughs> and honestly, uh, I've when I was getting into it and I was getting a really bad right tear with um, my second bow that I had. Mm-hmm. the one that was supposed to be 350, uh, I was getting a really, really, really bad tear. And people were telling me, I had 50% of them tell me your spine's too weak, and I had 50% of them telling me your spine is too stiff. And I never could find a definitive answer on why that was. And that's why, mm. again, I think that having an initial properly balanced spine out of your arrow makes everything a lot easier. So it's like, okay, if you're getting a right tear, then you know, twist this yoke or, or move your cam or, you know, there's, mm-hmm. or move your rest. I try not to, I tell people not to let the, cause the bow shafts all want to move the rest because it's, you just loosen it, slide it a little bit and then tighten it back down instead of putting it in the press, twisting the yoke and then mm-hmm. letting it back out of the press and then go shooting again. But I'm like, no, no, no. Make sure that they, they do it with the yokes if you can. Uh, right. That's why that, that realm SS, it has yokes on top and bottom. And I was like, yes, please. Cause that thing is a, a joy to turn to tune it's you know you can twist both at the top and bottom but uh mm-hmm. yeah I, I think having a, a, a properly balanced spine for for the draw weight the draw length the ibo initially going into it just makes things so much easier because you know that it, it can't be that and it wasn't on that bow that i've been talking about it wasn't an issue with the spine it was an issue with the riser flex on it is my belief but mm. anyway it's uh yeah. So the, the biggest thing that I, I tell people is like when, so they'll send me their information um, and then uh, they'll, I'll call them or we'll get in contact somehow. Um, a lot of times people just send me information and not everybody gets back to me. So I, I give them kind of a paragraph about what I think about their setup. But then if I end up talking to them and they're like, yeah, you know, I have this set up and I have that set up. Um, I'm like, Oh, you're, you're uh you're pretty weak in your spine or, you know, you're really weak in your spine. I said, your groups probably look pretty good at, at 20 yards. They probably look pretty good at 30 yards. You get to 40 and 50, they start getting a lot wider than they should. And they're like, yeah, it is that. Or if they're shooting a really stiff spine, uh, I'm like, yeah, you, you shoot great groups and you have two or three, you know, one or two flyers, two or three flyers, whatever, but a good group because when you shoot a, a weak spine, there's pretty much no way that you can have a, a great, I don't want to say it that way, but you'll have worse groups. It'll just be a big spread of arrows with a really stiff spine. If you have really, really, really good form, you can shoot a stiff spine well because you don't have the, the correction uh, of the arrow. You know, it's, it's how it's coming out of your bow and it's also mm-hmm. your release. And if you're dropping your arm or, you know, anything like that, you can, you can get a, a stiff arrow to shoot really well, a lot easier than you can get a, a weak arrow to shoot well. So uh, the paper tear, I would say, look at your groups. And if you think that, you know, you've been shooting for a while and you know that you could shoot better than that, then that's, it's probably, that's how I would judge it more than anything. Well, that's, that's why I'm, I'm so close to getting a Hooter shooter because the, the, the bro guys I <laughs> are getting one here. And, and it's like, you know, for my videos, like I, I like to shoot, 
a lot and, and I can shoot. I, you know, I shoot just as good as most people do, if, if not better yeah. than the average guy. And, and, uh, it's just like, man, a hooter shooter would really bring home the points of the, a lot of these videos I try and make. And it would make it easy on me. Cause I wouldn't have to like shoot multiple groups to wait until I, or, or shoot on like a really good day or something like that. It's like, I feel like I'm never doing my test justice if I don't have a hooter shooter, you know, it's like, that's like the next step yeah. in my, in my, te- in my testing, just because that takes out my variable and completely puts it in the lap of whatever I'm testing. But, um, yeah, I agree. There's so many variables in archery period. Right. I mean, that's, that's honestly, I think that's why we all love it. You know, it's like I started out shooting pistols and rifles and the, I'm in Indiana and the longest I can really shoot, uh, regularly was a hundred yards and it just got mm-hmm. super boring. And then I got into archery and it was like, and I messed with everything I had and, you know, I messed with triggers. I messed with, I built my own AR. I did everything. <laughs> and then, uh, it was, you know, it, it was, I, I definitely don't want to say it was too easy, but it, it, I didn't want to get into hand loading and all that stuff. And then the, the archery though, because of the, the amount of tuning and tinkering that you can do with it, that's why I loved it. But like you said, when you're trying to test something, uh, you know, the scientific process or whatever you want to call it is removing variables or keeping variables into constants and just changing one thing at a time. And when I'm telling people to shoot, you know, shoot groups with my 7,500 and 125, which is kind of to give Dudley all of the credit, uh, that was kind of his idea, but he would do it by adjusting the poundage of your bow by three pounds Mm -hmm. and then shooting it. And it was just quicker for me to, screw broadheads in and out. Uh, but anyway, uh, I tell people, you know, go shoot the, the best groups you can at the longest yards. I say, but that day, because it's like, you know, yeah. you go out and it's like, you know, you, you get out of work and then you go and it's like, you're shooting and it's about seven o'clock and you're like, Oh, I didn't have dinner yet. You know, and your, your arms shaky. are a little more shaky or it's like you said, it's windy or it's hot out or it's raining or, you know, all kinds of variables. So it's, yeah, having a hooter shooter would be amazing to be able to test. That's why I have a, a lot of guys that, uh, that I build for that listen to your podcast as well. And they're all excited about your broadhead test. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've gotten all kinds of questions about that. You know, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm watching it just as much as you guys are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've been, um, we were, we, we were actually working on the list today and I, I think we might get together and do like a uh, pre-episode uh, on on each other's podcasts and talk about what we're doing. Uh, yeah. I, I'm getting a lot of guys that are like suggesting things, and I love the feedback. and And I got some guys that already have problems with the tests. And it's like, man, you don't even know what I'm <laughs> testing or how I'm testing it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I'm really, um, I'm really jacked. You know, I think we our count was, um, you know, we were originally shooting for fi- uh, seventy five. And, um, we're, you know, we're trying like hell to get as many as we can, but I think Wes is starting to back that, back that down towards 50. <laughs> so, oh man, that's still, I mean, to test 50 broadheads, this is probably going to be, honestly, this is probably going to be one of the best broadhead tests and most encompassing that yeah. I've ever heard of. You know, I think it's uh, outstanding. I applaud you for your, uh, your diligence on getting it all together and everything. 50 well, broadheads though, man. My, my wife That's might crazy. disagree after she sees the bank account. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, everybody, you know, send Garrett some money and make this thing happen. It's going to benefit <laughs> all of us. Well, broadheads. yeah. And, and we know we're getting these variables out of here. I think, I think we're going to have a hooter shooter, you know, like, 
and and I'll, I'll tell you after we get off here because I don't want to ruin the surprise for all the listeners and stuff <laughs> what we're gonna do. But I've I've been picking a few guys in the industry's brains um, that I trust, and Mike, I'm gonna tell you what my tests are, and you're gonna poke okay. holes in them. And, uh, and they're basically like, okay, yeah, I like that one. I like that one. Okay. There's a little bit wrong with that one. I'm like, okay, but that's all you guys got through all my tests. And I think we did a good job designing them. <laughs> so cool. it's, uh, I I'm excited not to get off topic there or anything, but. Oh yeah. Sorry. But, no, that's, uh, it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. 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 I'm just hoping we can hit 50, you know, 75 is, was awful ambitious and, and, um, you know, Hey, maybe we could still hit that. I don't know, but, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Do you, um, sure. do you have much of a, um, I lost my question that I had here, but do you have um, a lot of guys that have broadhead tuning issues once you, once you build them an arrow or is it pretty much just plug and play? It is. Uh, so we'll get into another thing here. I know you'll, you'll be happy to discuss cause I really want to hear your opinion on it too. Uh-oh. Um, so <laughs> again with, the, <laughs> with, uh, and I'm open to everything. I mean, when I'm sitting at my desk here and I'm fletching arrows, mm-hmm. I watch YouTube videos and I watch all kinds of stuff about fletching arrows, about anything. I mean, I, I, I don't know everything and uh, I always learn something. So it's like, oh, that's a, that's a good idea or that's a bad idea or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad I do it this way or I should do it that way kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm always listening to, to anything anybody has to say, whether I apply it or not is a whole nother topic, but you know, um, so basically when, when they do the bear shaft tuning and they do the, um, like I said, kind of get the bow set up and I give them a little more direction depending on how new they are, how much they want a little help with it. Um, once they get the bear shaft hitting the same spot as the, the fletched arrow at 20 yards, then basically don't have any issues with anything. Mm. Uh, the, the topic though, that I'd like to hear your uh, opinions on it are veins. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people, uh, I build with both blazer and, um, AE, uh, max hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I do that is because they're a tall vein and I've shot, uh, the X veins, the two, two, five X veins, which are a shorter profile, but they're a longer vein than the, mm-hmm. the blazers. You know, they're two and a quarter. Um, and then the max hunters are 2.1. So, they're a relatively short vein, but they're a, a taller vein. So they're over a half inch tall. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get the, the X veins to work. Um, again, I liked them because they're a lower profile and I didn't want them to get beat up as much in my quiver. I didn't want, right. Cause the blazers, you know, you get them folded over, you leave them like that for a while and they're they're You got to mush them around to get them back in shape. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to shoot the lower profile veins just for the durability side of things. Uh, and I couldn't get him to shoot with a broadhead. Uh, and mm. so, yeah, so I went out and shot and that's three veins. I went out and shot, um, blazers. I just, I went home, stripped those off and went right back to the range and shot. And it was dead on perfect. And so I was like, Oh, I'm not getting, you know, the correction. Remember I said it was once you shoot the bear shaft and it's, you get the broadhead and then the veins will actually help uh, counteract that broadhead. Mm-hmm. And so what I've always said is, uh, shoot a vein that is over a half inch. And that's why I, I go with the, the blazers or the, uh, AE max hunters mm-hmm. because they're a tall vein. Um, I have some, uh, max stealth that are a little bit lower 
Um, they're super quiet and yeah. I'll get into that's something else I want to talk to you about hear your opinion of that. Uh, and then you get into like the four fletch versus three fletch. And if you put four on the back of the lower profile veins, that'll work for it. But yep. again, I what I'm that. building is like, it, yeah, is, is a, I'm building a, an arrow for everybody. And so I, you know, you can get smaller veins to work if that's what you want to do, but I haven't found, uh, the QE2, I fuse veins. I think they are, are really nice. I built one with that. Uh, and really like those, but I haven't done any testing with them yet. Um, well, my, my thing on, on, uh, on yeah, my, my thing on veins, man, and, and, and maybe I'm a little bit of a simpleton here, but there's a reason that most manufacturers are using the, bla the blazer veins. I think it's because they're widely blazers. accepted. I mean, they're, I've never had a problem tuning blazers. I've just, yeah, the, the standard exactly. blazers, I've never had a problem with them. So I, I've stuck with yeah. those, but I started branching out. Um, I don't really like the AE. I mean, I'm sure they work great once they adhere, but I don't like half and I like, I use NPV glue cause it's fast. It's uh -huh. not the strongest out there, but it's fast. I have about 15 to 20 seconds per vein. I'm on to the next one. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't have a lot of time. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, get me done. So I use the NPV. I use the blazer veins. I tried using the, uh, max stealth hunters and the AEE and stuff like that. And you just have to yeah. have the special glue and the bond, you know, the bondage, all that bullshit. To, I, you're going to get me on a, on a, uh, so <laughs> if I have to buy special shit so. to use your product, I probably won't do it. <laughs> so yes. the, you know, the AAE, you have to have my glue won't the work. Primer pin. Yeah. You got to have all that extra shit. And it's just like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Like I just been refusing it. But to, to answer your question, I, you know, make this make it really simple veins work with surface area right now there's different stiffness of veins um obviously as you know i'm telling the audience this more um there's different yeah. stiffness of veins the taller the vein the more flexible it will be depending on also the type of material you use but basically it works with surface area and resistance so i tried using the heat the blazer heat veins the other day on a broadhead slash arrow test I was using the day six arrows. I had a four fletch blazer, a three fletch blazer, and then a um, three fletch or four fletch, uh, a three fletch heat uh, were going offset. None of these had a helical on them. And I was shooting mm -hmm. great with all those arrows out to 80 yards. They were all within two inches of each other. I mean, they were all pretty much, they were, they were grouping for all intents and purposes out at 80 yards, but you tossed a broadhead nice. on there. And the low profiles, they weren't performing. And I mm -hmm. think if I would have added a fourth on there or even made it more of a helical um, mm -hmm. with, with a fourth, I think I could have got it to shoot. But if I was you as an arrow builder, I'd like, listen here, man, I, I will make whatever you want, but I'm just going to do it with blazers because I know they freaking work. I mean, the Q2I yeah. are pretty, they're they're pretty similar to the blazers i'm not sure on the exact specs but um i think it's the qt Q, qti or whatever they're called um yeah i might have that name wrong yeah i've i've seen those I, I have buddies that shoot them they love them i have guys that are really good shots that i'm friends with that use those and uh that kind of got my my eyebrows right i'm like those guys are using them i probably should take a look at them um but yeah I've never i've never mounted them before do those take a special a pen no, or those those mount just like the blazers. You don't have to do any prep yeah. with them at all. The the crazy thing with those fusions, though, so they make a, a two point one 
It's the Q2i uh, Fusion X2. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked it up real quick. But the they're a lot stiffer than the Blazers are. So the Blazers, you know, they're, I would say, not twice as stiff, but they're stiffer. I mean, when you hold them, you're like, what the heck is that thing? Yeah. So they're, they're pretty good. Um, I, I'm curious to try some. I might get some and just shoot them and see how they do. Mm. Uh, the profile of them I like, um, but the, so the deal with the Max Hunters, um, and I actually sent them uh, a message. I didn't really get a reply back on it, but <laughs> I ended up kind of finding out for myself. I'm a little builder, and so nobody cares. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's like a, I'll send them a message, and I'm like, hey, I build a lot of arrows. You know, look at my page. And they're like, yeah, whatever, kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm 42, so it's weird. But uh, that's funny. So the primer pin on this is for you, and, and if you ever want to go back to them um, mm -hmm. and anybody else, but that primer pin, man, you have to. What I do with that is I kind of have a, a piece of paper. While I'm building, I have a piece of paper next to me mm -hmm. and I'll take that primer pin and I'll just dab it on that to make sure that it's that primer pin at the end of it's wet. Mm -hmm. And then when you put it on there, uh, use a, a bits as well, right? A, a bits and burger. Oh, I, you do, I've been, I have a boning right now. I should have a, a bits and a blitz and burger, but I don't, I mean, I, I should, yeah. I should, really should get one. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. it's, it's low on the list. Cause I, I really only fletch for myself and do my, my own arrows right. And I might do my hunting partners before season, but for the amount of arrows I, I do, I got, yeah. I should, I should have a bits and burger, man. It, that's all, that's all. <laughs> to it. Yeah. Just, just bite it, you know, bite the bullet, get it done. <laughs> uh, so when I, when I do that, I put the vein in there and then that pin, uh, I go, I kind of scrub it. I don't put a lot of like downward pressure on it, but I just scrub that thing because you have to, you have to get that stuff on there and it has to be, you don't want it to, to run off of it. You want the, the pin just damp basically. And then, uh, and do that, uh, you know, really kind of scrub the end of it, make sure you get it complete coverage with that pin mm -hmm. and they'll stick. I had some come off. Um, and it, it was, be, it was either, it was either because I didn't use the pin enough or potentially there was something on the vein um, from the factory because, or what somewhere between, you know, where it came from to when I got it, it might've had something, you know, small oil or something on it, or I didn't get enough of the pin on there. I don't know which it was, but, uh, yeah, man, they're kind of a bitch to get the stick. <laughs> There's yeah. no other way around it. Yeah. That's, but, that's uh, my, and main... what I do on those. Oh, good. Oh, I say that's, that's just my main hang up with them. I'm sure they're a great, I, I'm sure they do a great job. I just, I, I don't know. I feel jaded when I have to go out and buy something else. It's like almost like batteries yeah. not included, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the blazers, a, a trick for those two, whatever they have on them, they seem to like when I put my glue on there, uh, I kind of give it a second. Like I give it a beat to let the glue and uh, whatever it is uh, they put on those to mix a little bit and they stick really well doing that. I mean, if you, cause if you put the glue on and then you slap it on there as quick as you can take it off and then try to pull that vein off, you probably can. Oh, but yeah. if you kind of let the glue and whatever it is on there soak a little bit, I mean, just, you know, give it five seconds and then put it on there, man, they, they seem to using? stick a lot better. Uh, that's a secret. <laughs> that's Sorry. A secret. <laughs> 
Uh, I have about, very few secrets for this one. Is uh, is your uh, is your epoxy a secret too? No. So uh, what I use on that is the Black Eagle. Uh, I mean, I, I use like I said, I build rampages and axes. So mm-hmm. uh, I use the Black Eagle insert glue, and I really like like that stuff because it all it is is just you know the CA glue or crazy glue with uh, little fine pieces of rubber that are in there. And so, uh, when you, when those dry, uh, or as it dries, the surfaces of the little pieces of rubber start touching. And when they touch the glue sets even harder because, you know, to get, uh, CA glue or crazy glue to, to stick, you know, when you push your fingers together and you get that thin film, that's when it bonds the best. Uh, and a really, really side topic here, but something you, I don't know. Nobody's going to like this, but I'm going to say anyway. But the uh, <laughs> an interesting thing to do is take a, a dab of glue, crazy glue, and get a little bubble on like a piece of paper and then put either like salt or baking powder on it and push it down in there. And it will be a almost structurally sound piece. You can sand it. I think you could probably drill it. But it's because mm-hmm. those, those pieces, uh, the glue gets very thin between them and you get this really good homogenous bond of of stuff in fact uh like the carbon fiber propellers that they use they get chips in them and i've heard that that's what they do they take crazy glue put in there and then they take baking powder and push into it and it fills those chips with a really like i said almost structurally material but that has nothing to do with talking about but oh that's that's (laughs) interesting though (laughs) side note yeah but uh yeah i i I think we're on the same page then the only thing that I want to talk about uh, was the, so the X veins that I used were uh, 2.25 in length. Mm-hmm. Um, and they relative, they almost have the same surface area as the blazer. That's what made me think that if, as long as you get above a half inch on the height, that, that you'll get good steering with them. And I, my I, theory I on probably that, right too. And um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I, I, I imagine you're probably no. right. So if you have, uh, if you're ever, you know, kind of think about that as you're building them just to see if that, if that's one variable that, that does do that. But my theory on that is that the broadhead creates so much turbulent air down by the shaft of the arrow versus a, uh, a field point that, you know, that quarter inch making up a number, a quarter inch of that air around the arrow is too turbulent to get good steady, uh, correction mm-hmm. from. You know, I don't know if that's true that, or not. But. One way to test that is to buy one of these annihilator broadheads because I asked him about that. Um, pretty much very, I asked him that exact question. I said, is your yeah. turbulence, you know, preventing your veins from actually working? He said, no. But you could test that with those broadheads because if any broadhead is going to cause turbulence, it'll be that one right there. In the, yeah, in the for sure. That thing's kind of a monster on the front of it. I have it a is. buddy that actually shoots for them, so I might see if they'll send me one. Yeah, I you know you could you could do your own little test with that and see if you're getting um, you know I mean a broadhead should fly I mean if it's gonna fly it should fly I mean there's there's obviously um, I'm not gonna say I'm not one of these guys that says any broadhead will fly out of a tomb boat because if you give me something and your broadhead's not like for example I could shoot a 300 grain broadhead and then I'm like well any broadhead should fly right here's a 300 grain yeah. and see how that thing flies so. I don't, I don't broad stroke at that or, or like a gobbler guillotine, you know, like I'm not gonna, yeah. <laughs> so, 
I, I don't subscribe to that mentality, but I, I agree with most of what that says. But um, yeah, I'd be really interested in seeing that because that would be a really, uh, really cool test just to see if those do cause enough turbulence with those smaller profile veins. Yeah, that that is uh, that's interesting. I've uh, I'll see if he'll send me one. I think he has might have one he could send me. Maybe I'll see if he could pass it off to you too. We'll see. Yeah, but, I've, uh, I've got I've got the annihilators already. I'm gonna, I plan on using them next month. Um, Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I'm going to get some rule. That's the number one. Last year, it was the Kudu I was getting asked about. This year, it's the Annihilator, and so everybody's asked me about it. It's like, let me let me f- build an opinion first. Like, I, I got it. Right now, it's just theory. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, let me kill some shit with it first. That's why we love it, tell you what I think. <laughs> yeah, that's why we love it. It's always, you know, there's always something to test. But you're right. Oh. If you try to shoot like a gobbler, you know, you're basically putting a, an airplane wing on the front of your arrow then nothing's gonna fix that <laughs> <laughs> right right so well i i think we covered a lot here man there's there's so much we we uh we could oh, go yeah. into a, we could go into five episodes and not cover everything but is there anything <laughs> that you that we missed that you wanted to cover uh for the guys out there uh yeah i i just wanted to real quick the only thing i didn't cover in my process so uh real quick just because there's a few misconceptions on what i do and so what people do they send me their their OIBO, the draw length, the draw weight. Um, I talk to them about what they're going to be doing with it. So if they're just, you know, hunting a whitetail in Indiana or if they're going out west to shoot an elk, how long they're going to be shooting because then I'll add a little, I'll add a little more speed to it if they're going to be shooting longer ranges, uh, especially if they're a lower, you know, lower poundage or uh, shorter draw weight. Uh, so I work on what they're going to be using it for, um, get those other three factors from them. Uh, the other thing that we do, like I said, I do, I square it using the whole length of the shaft, not just like the last five inches of the shaft. Um, Cut it. Like I said, square it. I find the spine. Um, And then uh, I also do the custom wraps, which is what my Instagram page has tons of. But what we do on that is basically they start out white and they're a hundred percent custom. A lot of times, you know, people will contact me and they'll be like, yeah, I want this, this, this. and And I like this one. Uh, can you do red and then add this to it or that? So I'll put, you know, their logo or any saying they want on there. Or um, a lot of times, you know, I, I'll get a guy that's just like, I like red. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see what I could do with that. Um, and, you know, we'll get everything custom made uh, so that it comes with the wraps. The wraps are have a little line on them that aligns to a spine on the arrow. And I fletch off of that line so that everything is really consistent. Uh, there's very little glue showing, uh, on all the veins. You know, we talked about the max hunters. Um, I, I do them one night and then the next morning I get up, uh, and I'll roll the arrow in my hand, uh, to check them and make sure they're all on there and and holding well. And then I'll go through and pull all three of them to make sure they're on there. Then I number them and actually weigh every single arrow. And then I record that. And so when you get a dozen arrows, you get a spreadsheet that has every single stat on it that, that you could imagine. It has your bow specs. Uh, it has your kinetic energy, uh, all the weights for all the components on it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, momentum, kinetic energy, front of center, your estimated speed, all that stuff is all on there. And then, uh, like I said, all 12 arrows are all weighed and all those weights are on there. And all the arrows are within three grains of each other. Um, I don't think I've ever violated that, but that's, it, that's how consistent they are. They're cut 
very consistently in length and, and built, uh, like we said, I, I build them as the best I can. And if I ever find a better way to build them, I start using that process. That's so really cool. that's kind of, it's, it's a super, super custom arrow all the way from the, the tuning of the arrow all the way down to the wrap. And it's so cool, man, to have, you know, your, your buddies, you have a little hunting company or group and come up with a little logo or something. And man, we put that on there and everybody's got their name on it. And it's, it makes it really cool. And the difference between having just a, uh, a regular arrow and having one with, you know, the custom wrap on it and, and custom tune for you is, is pretty cool. I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on it. And it, like I said, on those nights when I'm up at 1230 and I get a message that says, you know, man, I love these things. They're shooting great. Love them, you know, blah, blah, blah. It keeps me going. And it, I, I really like giving people that experience and, and helping them shoot, you know, people like I've never shot this well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you've never had anything that allowed you to shoot. So you had something inhibiting you now it's just letting you shoot. So yeah, uh, that's kind of my process and that's kind of what I do. Well, there's one thing that I, and, I wanted to, to, to go over before we wrap this thing up. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, we talked about uh, a long time ago about the oh. point of diminishing returns episode. Yes. Um, yeah. Go, go. I've been telling people that I think you had some sort of equation that could, that, that could help us with that. Go over that and, and tell me what kind of, where you're at with that whole thing. This is going back to the Brian Roger conversation I had a long time ago saying, I want yeah. an equation that's like a calculator that's on the internet currently, like an arrow calculator, but it tells you at what point you have too heavy of an arrow and you're costing yourself momentum and all that stuff. Yes. And this is something I've, I actually started when I started doing equations, this is one that was really bothering me too. And it's, it's, you get to a thing where it's like, uh, how far can you throw a bowling ball? Uh, I can't throw it very far. Well, how far can you throw a ping pong ball? Mm-hmm. It's lighter. You should throw it further. Now, I, I can't throw it further either, but I can throw a baseball really well. And it's basically how to find that baseball weight, you know, for your bow. And I, I talked before about uh, the draw weight versus the length. And the area under that curve is like in physics terms, that's the work done by the bow. And so, that is your, you know, when you're throwing that baseball, that the you throwing the ball, your muscles and everything you have to put into that is the work. Um, so what I went through was to find, and this is going to be a very hot topic and I'll get, mm-hmm. I'll figure I'll try, try to talk my way out of it here in a minute. But what I did was went through and like I said, in my equations, I figured out how to estimate the speed of the arrow pretty accurately. Um, Again, depending on how much a bow manufacturer might fudge on their IBO speed helps, but uh, I could get it really, really close. And so what I did was went through and, you know, I could put in the, the bow IBO, the draw weight and the draw length, and it'll go through, I have a, a big spreadsheet and I can put in just a bunch of weights and it'll go through and run uh for the weight of the arrow, it'll figure out the speed of the arrow. And once you have the weight and the speed, then you could figure out both the kinetic energy and the momentum from that. And this is, yeah, I know, man, it's a hot topic. And it, this, I'm not done with this. I'm not saying this is the law or anything yet, but this is all based on math. And it doesn't take into account a lot of real-world variables that could affect this. It's right. just a, a way to get to it. But kinetic energy is your velocity, 
squared times your mass. And what happens is your, your velocity starts falling off faster than your mass increases. So you're based on math only, and these are not real world numbers, because your velocity falls faster than your mass increases, your kinetic energy will peak. And that's all just based on numbers. And I know that there's, I mean, this is like an archery topic, you know, fireball, but mm -hmm. I need to get some real world data on speed and start shooting different weights to find out if that happens or how fast it actually falls off. The reason that it's, it doesn't work math wise or doesn't work super precisely math wise is because the, the wind resistance on the arrow is what actually starts pulling more of that speed faster. So like the ping pong ball reaches a, a terminal velocity, meaning that it, you know, if, if it was moving any faster, it, it can't because the wind resistance is pushing against it. Right. So like when you jump out of an airplane and you're falling, you'll reach a terminal velocity where you just won't accelerate anymore because you're being pushed up against, you know, from the, the, uh, drag on yourself. So that makes sense. And, and that also, being, yeah, I mean, there's so many variables because what if you're using, you know, a 16 fletch versus a, you know, three fletch? I mean, I mean, yes. there's, there's obviously going to be shed velocity differences and it basically just your best way to put it is your ballistic coefficient, your coefficient of your projectile, your arrow is going to change yes. depending on exactly a bunch of different factors too. I imagine even shaft diameter probably even cuts down on it too. Cause that's just more surface area for crosswind or anything like that for it to affect. That's, that's all absolutely correct. And I, I know this formula is, it's flawed, but I'm trying to figure out, uh, like what, what's your, your IBO? I'll do yours and we'll see what roughly it's 340 and then your draw weight 70, 70. Yeah. And your, your draw length was 28. So according to this, uh, your, your ideal optimal arrow weight is 460 grains. Really? And that's, yeah. But that again, it's, that's way lighter. I than don't I was use expecting. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's because people ask me too about, you know, going back to your ballistic coefficient, you know, they can't get one for an arrow because it's too hard to figure because of, you right. know, if you have 16 veins on it and you have, a huge broadhead on the front of it. Do you have a micro diameter? Is it a standard shaft diameter? Um, you know, all those things, how much twist do you have on or offset do you have your veins or is it a helical or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. There's a lot that goes into that. But, um, like when people ask me, uh, three fletch or four fletch, I try to push them to a three fletch, um, because of a couple things, but one of them for this conversation we're having is basically kind of that parachute effect. So when you, you know, when your arrow runs out of steam, I'll just say steam instead of kinetic energy or momentum runs out of steam, those veins and that ballistic coefficient are higher than if you had three. And so you get, get what I call a parachute. I think everybody does a parachute effect on it where once it's out of steam, it starts slowing down and dropping faster. Um, you know, the other reason I, I kind of like three or four is just less to go wrong. So if it's, you know, if you're out hunting and, um, you know, you're, you shoot and you, you, you know, somebody out there probably misses once in a while and you hit something or it, it rips a vein off, you know, you want as few 
things to go wrong with it as possible. And if you don't have to run four, then I, I don't run four. But honestly, man, if you like to look at four, if, if you have a, you know, if it just makes you feel good to run four, <laughs> do it. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. People are like, you know, like when I'm, we're working on the wraps and they're like, well, I kind of like blue and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, or, or uh shaft. I mean, I've had people go from an axis to a rampage or a rampage to an axis because of the color of the shaft. And I'm like, no, man, uh, you got to look good to shoot good. And that's, that's it. You know, it's like, uh, I shoot all kinds of weird stuff because I have arrows that, you know, have all different veins on them and different states of builds and everything. But if somebody feels more confident or they just want to have a different color shaft, man, that's, that's it. But that's the, you know, the, some people like running, uh, the, the four vein, um, Jonathan Metcalf of the, the Kong Valley guys. I build a ton for those guys and he likes running four and it's like, yeah, man, let's run four then. Uh, it's, it's all personal preference, but there are some drawbacks and it's like, you know, you get into this thing where it's like, is it, is it really worth it? Or is it, you know, that four thousandth of a shaft tolerance, you know, is it worth it? But, uh, it's, it's all personal preference. So yeah, I'm sorry. Back to the, the optimizer. You should always run 460 grains and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm that, shooting that's where it's at right now. right now. So I, I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm validated. <laughs> I guess right there. Yeah, there you I'm go. only three three grains off of your of your equation, but I, I would suspect it's probably higher. Um, and and as you twerk or twerk as you edit and like, <laughs> like, like you mess with your equation. I, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. your equation starts spitting out heavier arrows, just, just from my experience and, and listening to just so many people talk about arrows and stuff. I mean, I've heard eight grains per pound. I've heard 22 yep. grains per pound now or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just want to know what the most efficient arrow is for my setup before I start losing momentum. I don't care about energy really. I just, yeah. How, how, how much is that? And it'd just be fun to like, get like a, like a UFC punching machine and then just, (laughs) you know, measure how hard each arrow hits at like 40 yards, you know, like just, just, just to see, but that's, that's a, you know, maybe, maybe if I ever make it like a, to a millionaire on YouTube, I'll just buy my own machines and then I'll just spend my days testing shit. (laughs) And you're going to hire me, right? That, I think that was part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. I'll just have you build all the arrows. I'll probably be breaking a bunch of them. <laughs> Done. Yeah, you'll just be out there sitting with a lawn chair and a margarita hitting the hooter shooter making it shoot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Man, I'm shooting this, good today. This, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm back there slaving away, building 9,000 arrows as you shatter them. Oh, yeah. But no, oh, I mean, yeah. this is this is a, a work in progress, and I, I, I'm really interested to get a – uh, to shoot more and get a a way to just increase the the weight slightly and still keep shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we need to do, like you said, you know, have that UFC punching machine and have a uh, a chronograph down there too to to get the velocity because mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're working for. The other thing is, uh, I think that if you this is all in theory, but if you're looking at what is my optimal arrow weight. And then you have to ask that question for what distance, because, you know, you want to have, like, I like to shoot out to a hundred yards because I can really see variations in my setups at a hundred yards. Um, and you could really see variations, you know, like fuel points to broadheads, stuff like that. But, um, so I shoot a hundred yards. So I would want an arrow 
<coughs> excuse me, that was optimized out to 100 yards. Where somebody is a, a strict hunter and they'll never shoot further than 60 yards because you know that might be a follow-up shot. Well, then you would want an arrow that's tuned to 60 yards. So basically, it runs out of gas or it has enough punch to go to 60 yards and not mm-hmm. 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes that's- sense. But, yeah, it's, it's just so many different variables, but I think I think as we keep testing and growing here, we're we're eventually going to get it down. And I am shocked as hell that no one's actually sat down and already has this on the internet and figured it out. But it's a uh, it, it is really it's surprising. a tough question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because think about the variables you'd have to put in there is you know number of veins, offset, uh, arrow diameter, um, broadhead. You know you'd have to have the CV for every broadhead and every mm-hmm. arrow diameter and yeah. The vein, you'd have to know the you have to know the drag of the the arrow basically to be able to to accurately calculate that. So yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I'll one day we'll get you. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I graduated in algebra too, so this is this was over my mm. head after after um, this times that times this that that was uh, about the end of my ability for math. So. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not gonna be much help on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, as to total, totally class myself as a, as a solid nerd, and you know, not uh, make any popularity contest. I figure out instead for my front of center, the way I figure it is all with statics, and so I could put in any weight of anything and find out where the front of center is because you can. Uh, I won't go into it, but it I, I figure it all with statics and with my own equations. Uh, if anybody's curious, I can, I can elaborate on that, but like you said, yeah. we could go down that path for a couple more hours. <laughs> yeah, no, we could, uh, we could just plan on doing another podcast. You'd like a part two of, of, uh, advanced sure. arrow building math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just arrow building two Oh one. Yeah. yeah and if go. anybody, maybe if anybody has questions, they could, they could fill those in. And, uh, I mean, I think it, like I said, I love the stuff that you do, like your real world, the real world application of things and your real world testing of things Thanks, um, is amazing. And like the, the way you go through it, it's better. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that just go, you know, oh, this broadhead's better because I've shot 12 deer with it. And it's like, no, I mean, that's good. And I'm glad it's working for you. But yeah. there's more empirical ways to do things where you can, you know, put some numbers behind things and quantify results. And I think you do a great job of, of taking, you know, just, I don't want to say backyard engineering, but application engineering and, you know, shooting it through realistic type things, the best situation you come up with, nothing's ideal, but it's like right. uh, the best we've got. So yeah, yeah I, I'd love to come on and debate some things with you. Yeah, I would love that. And, um, th- thanks for the huge compliment, man. I mean, that's, that's what we strive for or I strive for. I keep saying we, like I'm a, like a team. It's just, <laughs> no, we are. It's, solo it's archery in general, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, is be hopefully before I die, there's somebody that creates a standardized test for individuals to go out and test broadheads and arrows and setups and, and stuff like this. Cause it would be so nice to have a standardized test, you know, like, like yeah. an I, IBO for a bow. Why don't we have that for, you know, performance for, uh, everything else in archery. I don't know. I just, I geek out on it and there's no perfect test out there right now. And it just drives me bonkers. So, yeah, I agree. I'm the, like I said, I'm the same way as you. It, it is yeah. strange. They don't have a, a standardized test for the IBO because it, it should be governed by somebody. I think there's you a lot think. of people out there that 
uh, you know, they're like, oh, I shoot a 350. And I'm like, mm, you don't well, really shoot a 350. I'm just helping you. I'm going to throw this out there. I was doing a bunch of research after seeing all these manufacturers be way off on their IBO speeds. Um, some of them, not all mm -hmm. of them. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just interesting because if you look at Hoyt, they go off of ATA. And a lot of these um, other manufacturers are IBO. Well, the only difference there is that AB, IBO says five grains per pound. It doesn't say how many pounds. It says five right. grains per pound, right? But yeah. people have tied that to the standard 70 pounds, 30-inch arrow, and that's what everybody does. Twenty mm -hmm. uh, Because yeah. that's the formula. Yeah, That's the formula. But IBO says typically five grains per pound. And then, so I think that's how some of these companies are saying, okay, well, let's do five grains per pound at 70 pounds or 75 pounds. And that's our IBO. Like that's what, yeah. the and so, but I, and I don't think they're being completely honest about that. And one thing about Hoy is ATA strictly says five grains per pound, 70 pounds, 30, you know, they have all the requirements. It's just, they just don't cap it at five grains per pound. And that's why I believe Hoy uses the ATA. It's not a different measuring scale it's it's the same thing it's fps and everything but kind of interesting mm -hmm. when you start comparing the ata versus the ibo and uh so you know hoyt's never been accused of being over exaggerating on their ibos that i know of um yeah i, mean, I agree uh, yeah from what always... i've seen i mean what what people tell me and then when i tell them their estimated speed should be that's using like with with hoyt with uh botech uh elite uh, I'm trying to think of all of them, but one, but Matthews, those are all really, really close. And there's going to be a lot of variables that, um, that people can't, you know, when you build a bow, you know, we talk about all the variables in it, the string length, the cables, you know, the, the limbs are going to have variation to them. So there is going to be slight differences, but the, it should be within uh, a tolerance. Like everything is, you know, yeah, I'd like to see like a rangefinder says plus or minus one yard. It'd be nice if you know manufacturers had plus within plus or minus two feet per second or something like that. You know, when you're off ten to fifteen feet per second, uh, yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> that's not cool. yeah. So. There's just not a lot of brands out there that I'll say obsess as much as they should uh, to to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But that's a whole other conversation, man. So let's yeah, leave people yeah. with uh, a few places where they can find you. Give yourself a plug, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Sure, man. Uh, well, I, I really, really appreciate having me on. Uh, mm -hmm. Honestly, there for a little bit, I forgot I was even on the podcast. I thought we were just hanging out cool. and chatting, so that was really cool. Um, uh, so DCACustomarrows.com. Mm -hmm. um, they're uh, at DCACustomarrows.com. Uh, on Instagram. And if somebody is curious about getting some arrows made, uh, the, the best way to do it is to go to my webpage again, DCA custom arrows.com. Uh, go to the contact form. You'll fill something out there. It'll have all the numbers that I need to, you know, to have a conversation with you. It gives you a little time to run and find your hunting stuff and get it all together, uh, at your leisure and fill that out, send it into me. Um, I apologize. It, it does sometimes take up to maybe, like a week at the most for me to get back to you. Um, I have a day job and have a family and um, it, it just takes a little time. So I, I apologize for that, but um, I'm sure when people understand what's going on, it's fine. So it, it yeah. might take a little bit of time for me to get back to you, but I get back to every single person. Um, fill that out. I'll get to you, you know, get back to you and uh, get that stuff. And then uh, we can go from there. But yeah, so 
at DCA Customeros and uh, DCACustomeros.com. Sweet, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I'll plan on just having you back here within you know another month or two, hopefully, and we'll go over a, a, a 2.0, what, like you said, like we can go over <laughs> so much more stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think it's, like you said, I, or I guess I said, but I think it's good to have my side of things where I can maybe try to explain it with a little bit of math and then to have your, your practical application of it. I think it's really cool yeah. to be able to have these discussions and then maybe uh, get to the truth at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if no, it absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of simple Jack when it comes to the numbers and stuff. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice having somebody be uh, more, um, you know, technical with their language and, and be able to explain it into like an engineer, man. I mean, you're going to be able to break it down way better than I can. So, um, I appreciate yeah. you having, Thank having you. You coming on the show. I appreciate all the work that you've done with the equations and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I say it all the time on the podcast. I, I appreciate work ethic and I appreciate the attention to detail and you've got both of those. And I think you're probably putting out a pretty damn good era. I haven't had you built me a set yet, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have that, any man. problems. Yeah. I wouldn't have any problems shooting stuff <laughs> that you built. Cool. I appreciate that. Thanks for the compliment. Uh, you know, worries. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, but uh, I'll see you, uh, see you probably in the future, Kyle. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you. All right, guys, that's this episode of the podcast. Be sure to check out the description box below. I'll have a link for Kyle down there, but uh, very excited about this episode. I'm looking here, looking forward to getting some feedback from this one. But uh, if you guys can, be sure to go sign up for that newsletter, www.onpointpodcast.com. You can sign up for it. It's free and uh, you'll get probably one a month and then outside of that it'll get you entered some custom giveaways uh, keep you up to date with what i got going on and uh yeah it'll just be a win-win so outside of that appreciate everybody listening and i'll see you on the next one bye